Welcome to The Empowered Creative, a podcast designed for creatives who are ready to take their happiness into their own hands. I'm your host, Christina, and my mission is to give you practical, empowering, and easy-to-follow mindset tools to help you slay insecurities, grow your confidence, and design an amazing life and business you love. If you are ready to invite self-compassion into your life and give yourself permission to shine, then this podcast is for you. Well, hello there and welcome back. I'm Christina and this is part two of eight things I wish I knew when I started photography. So if you haven't heard part one yet, make sure to go back and listen to that one. That's episode number four, and this is the second part, episode number five. So let's jump right into today's topic, because tip number five is to go for a full-frame camera. When it comes to choosing your DSLR camera, there are two types to choose between, and those are a full-frame camera and a group camera. Most beginners don't know about this when they buy their first DSLR camera and therefore ends up with a group camera, including myself when I started out. The term full frame refers to the camera's sensor size and it simply means that with a full frame you get more of your scene in the frame. With a group camera you get less of your scene in the frame. So the best way to describe this is to imagine that with a group camera you are looking out of a smaller window than if you have a full frame camera which will give you a bigger window view. I hope this makes sense. As I've already said before, the camera does not make you a great photographer, no matter how expensive that camera is. In today's world, you can even make a career in photography with just using your phone camera. I know several people who are very successful at doing this. That being said, I wish someone had told me to invest in a full-frame camera from the very beginning. Working with a full-frame camera has made my life so much easier and let me tell you why that is. I often work with limited space when I shoot photos inside. Whether I'm shooting in a hotel room or in a living space. Plus, I also have a fairly small daylight studio at home. And this is where the full-frame camera is such a big help. By using the full-frame camera, I am able to get much more in my frame and it gives me the freedom to move around and get more angles despite lack of space. And that's why I love working with the full-frame camera. It just makes my work and my job much easier. The only disadvantage to a full-frame camera is that it's really a big investment. This is because manufacturing a full-frame sensor is far more expensive and demanding than making a crop camera. So do you really need to upgrade to a full-frame camera? Not at all. You should only do it if you are using your camera daily and tend to work in small spaces. 
And if you are just a hobby photographer and only use your camera once in a while, no need to upgrade. And there really is no visual difference in the image quality. You can take professional images with a crop camera just as you can with a full frame. I did invest in several crop cameras and lenses before I finally bought a full frame, mainly because I could not afford the full frame at the time. But looking back, I wish I had invested in a full frame from the start and then just got one good lens like the 50mm because that's the best combination for when you wish to go from hobby photographer to professional photographer. So if you are thinking about upgrading from hobby and take your passion for photography into a career and build a business with photography, then I think your best investment will be to buy a full frame camera. Okay, let's move on to tip number six. Forget JPEG, shoot in RAW. When I got my first DSLR camera, I had no idea what RAW was, what it meant or how it was different from JPEG files. You see, most cameras are set to shoot JPEG automatically. So that's what most people do without thinking about it. But then as you get more into photography and become more serious about it, you start to notice that the pros talk about raw files. When I first heard about raw files, I thought, ooh, that sounds so complicated. Let's avoid that. <laughs> so for a long time, I just shot JPEG files. Had I known what I know now, I would have dished JPEGs altogether and shot everything in RAW from the get-go. So, if you are unsure what RAW files are and if you think it sounds scary, <laughs> let me help you out right now. First, I want to say that if you are a hobby photographer, there is no need to change from JPEG to RAW. Upgrading to RAW files is mostly for photographers who are ready to take the photography to next level. Perhaps you consider working with photography professionally. And if you do, shooting RAW is a must. That's because when you are a professional, you need RAW files in order to perform the best editing in Photoshop or Lightroom. If you just shoot for your blog, or for fun, or if you never edit your photos, there is no need to be concerned about RAW files just yet. The difference between JPEG and RAW is that JPEGs are made inside the camera. When you take a JPEG photo, your camera finishes it completely for you. As with RAW files, the photo is not yet finished in camera. You have to finish it in post-processing using a program like Photoshop or Lightroom. So a RAW file is kind of like when you in the old days shot film and then you took that film into the darkroom to finish it. Now you are just finishing it inside an editing program on your computer. Does that make sense? This means that when you're shooting RAW, you get much more creative control over your image. Half the job is made when you take the photo with your camera and half the job is made when you edit it. 
And that's how you really can get super creative. And that's when you start to develop your own signature style. You can also edit a JPEG file, but you will actually be editing on an already finished image, which is not optimal. It's kind of like trying to put icing on a cake that already has been decorated with icing. <laughs> it more or less ruins the cake. So when you edit a JPEG, the image starts to lose quality. But with a raw file, you can make non-destructive edits and create dozens of different edits on a single file without overriding its original data. And that's kind of amazing. I absolutely love shooting in raw format. The control it gives me when I edit is wonderful, almost magical. For example, if I have taken a photo that is underexposed or a little too much to the dark side for my taste, I can easily make it brighter without losing image quality. It's fantastic. Or sometimes when I have tried to take a portrait of a person in a beautiful garden, I have tried to have the image turn out with a greenish color tone. And that's because the greenery in the garden mixed with the available daylight. And sometimes that gives a greenish color cast to the photos. And when that happened, I'm not happy. <laughs> Maybe you have tried that. But that's something you can easily fix with in seconds inside Lightroom or Photoshop. If you need help getting started with raw files, I have a blog post that you can read that will help you and guide you to getting started the easy way. It's one of my most read articles on my website and you can access it for completely free. You don't even have to subscribe. I will make sure to link to the article in the show notes so you can get started with raw files. I hope it will help you get started without too much technical difficulties. That's the whole goal with this article. So let me know if it was helpful to you. Okay. And I remember when I made the shift from JPEG to RAW many years ago, one of my photography friends said, Christina, you will never go back to JPEGs after this. And she was right. I never looked back and I'm sure you will feel the same. And that brings me to number seven. Edit your photos. One of my absolute favorite activities is to edit my photos. It's my meditation. I love to put on some music, grab a cup of coffee and then just mentally disappear into the creative world of editing. But I didn't always feel like this before I started to edit my work in Photoshop and Lightroom. I was terrified of it. I remember buying Photoshop and then when I opened it up on my computer, nothing made sense to me. It was so confusing. I didn't even know how to upload a photo in the program so I could get started with the editing. And it made me feel stupid and insecure and I was thrown right back to that time in school when I was a kid and hated math because I just didn't get math. <laughs> 
So for me personally, it took a couple of years to really get going with editing. It was a super slow learning process, to be honest. Today, I wish I had taken a course or hired someone to teach me one-on-one because it would have saved me so much time and frustration. It was a painful learning experience, but the good thing about it is that because of my experiences and struggles, I have been able to create some super easy to understand editing tutorials in my online photography course. And I think I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't had my own struggles. So there are always benefits to your struggles, right? (laughs) Once you are on the other side, you can always use your experience to your advantage or to help others. Today I see editing as half the process in creating my photographs. The first part is the idea, the styling, the storytelling and capturing the image. The second part is editing my photos in order to emphasize the message or the story I'm trying to tell. For me, this is the most important part of the process. It's where I really feel my artistic side comes alive. It's how I create my signature style. By using Photoshop or Lightroom or a combination of those two programs, you can personalize your photos even more. And that's super important if you wish to create a recognizable photography style. Editing is another way for you to tell your story or get across what you were trying to capture when you took the photo in the first place. That's because when you capture a photo in camera, sometimes does not come out accurately and reflect that moment just like you experienced it. Firstly, because we might not get our settings right in the camera, but also because Sometimes you need to enhance the mood or enhance the feeling that you got when you took the photo. And you can do that in processing the photo in editing. For example, you may not feel that you have accurately captured the warm, hazy feeling you got one late afternoon on the beach. In which case, some editing can help enhance and create that mood. Or you may wish to emphasize the moodiness of a food scene or create some nostalgic feeling or bright pink airy feeling in a floral image. Although this can be done to some degree when shooting and styling a photo, a lot of times this comes mostly from how you edit your image. One of my favorite things to do when I'm editing is to paint with light and shadows. By doing so, I can bring out a certain aspect of the image or a certain mood, kind of draw with the light and the darkness. I can decide where I want the viewer's attention to be placed. So I can draw the viewer's attention to my main subject. It's also the perfect technique for adding drama and mood And it's not even difficult to do. You just have to know how. Again, this is something that I teach in my online lifestyle photography course. It's my favorite editing style and I will show you exactly how it's done inside the course. In general, 
Editing is a really great way for you to put your own personal stamp on an image. Now, when you first get started with editing, there can be a tendency to be all over the place. And it's totally okay. It's a learning process, just like everything else. My advice is to experiment as much as you can and be playful. It can be really, really fun and helpful to test different editing styles. And that is without doubt a great way to learn how to edit. And it's how you also find out what you like and what you don't like. And this is important. I still enjoy playing with my images. So don't worry so much if you haven't found your signature style or your personal editing style yet. Just have fun and test different styles of editing because As you get more familiar with editing and see what you find yourself doing most of the time to your images, your personal style will start to appear in a way you can say that your style finds you. So what editing program should you use? Well, there are a number of programs out there, but I only want to talk about two of them. And those two are Lightroom and Photoshop. Those are the programs that I recommend. You don't need both of them. Lightroom is great for almost anything. And it's the go-to editing program for many photographers. Shooting everything from food, flowers, landscape, travel and interior design. But... If you are more into portraits, fashion photography and beauty photography, Photoshop is a better choice simply because you have better control when retouching. I use both programs myself. I will often start in Lightroom first and then do most of the editing there. And then if needed, I will bring that photo further into Photoshop to finish up some last details. That could be retouching skin or removing something that I don't want to have in the image. For example, if I shoot um, a living room, I might want to remove an electric circuit from the wall and to make that image seem more clear and clean or simply (laughs) simplified. If you don't have Lightroom, or Photoshop installed on your computer yet, you can get it uh, on adobe.com. It's an online subscription platform and that ensures that you always have the newest update. Last but not least, ta-da! Our last tip for today. Tip number eight. You don't need a special talent to become a great photographer, but you need to work for it. Most photographers are not born great. They become great by growing into their potential. When you put in the effort, when you put in the work, when you keep experimenting, learning, testing, and when you keep playing with your camera, you will grow and you will become better. It's no shame being a beginner. And it's no shame staying in the learning zone for as long as you live. Remember, it's always a lot more fun to explore and learn than it is to be at the finish line. When I first started out with photography, I always had a better picture in my mind 
than the one I managed to get out of my camera. More times than I like to admit, I felt like I was failing. <laughs> Photographers are terrible judges at their own work, right? So listen carefully. Mistakes will happen when you are a beginner. And mistakes will happen when you are a professional photographer. Being a professional photographer doesn't free you from making mistakes. Let me repeat that. Being a professional photographer doesn't free you from making mistakes. And I think this is super important to keep in mind because it makes it easier to embrace making mistakes as a beginner. The fear of failure, the fear of not doing good enough, will follow you like a shadow until you accept that you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to create perfection, and you certainly don't have to live up to something that you believe equals being a professional. And if you sometimes criticize yourself for not having talent, I want you to stop right now. Because it's not about having talent. Having a natural talent for something is super helpful, but it's not what is going to give you success. So this is not something to obsess about. I had absolutely no talent for photography when I started out. I just practiced a lot <laughs> every day. That was what I was obsessed about, learning and improving my skills. Here's the deal. Having talent will only put you ahead just 10%. The rest is hard work. I know this from working with creatives and artists for 20 years. I have seen creatives with massive talent getting nowhere. And I've seen people without a natural talent getting amazing careers. The difference between them is their willingness to take action, develop solid skills and work hard. So no matter your age, no matter your situation, you can become a great photographer. The question is, how much effort are you willing to put into it? All it takes is that you take daily action. You don't need to practice for 10 hours a day, but you do need to practice a little every day. Sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. So when learning photography, tiptoe if you must, but do take the steps. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Find your tribe, network and ask for help so you can grow faster. Remember, the best way to grow is to play. Forget about the search for the perfect picture. If that suddenly appears from you playing and having fun, then woohoo! If not, well, then at least you had a lot of fun creating it, right? So, that's all for today. I hope this was helpful. But before I go, I just want to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, let me know. It will mean a lot to me. If the tips I share here on the Empowered Creative Show have helped you or inspired you in any way, I would love to know. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review and share it with your friends. 
every month, one lucky podcast reviewer will be selected to receive a free gift from me. In February and in March, I'm giving away a free seat for my exclusive online photography course. This power-packed online course will help you increase your skills in digital photography, composition, creative styling and visual storytelling. You'll learn exactly how to develop your unique style, edit beautiful photos and grow your career in photography. The winners get access to 12 intensive and amazing modules, 150 plus tutorials and step-by-step Lightroom and Photoshop editing videos worth the wait in digital gold. Simply leave a review on iTunes to participate. I will pick one winner in February and one winner in March. So that means in episode number six, I will announce the winner of February. And I hope to publish this episode one of the last days in February. And if you're wondering how to join my lifestyle photography course, you can go to my website and add yourself to the waitlist. Then you'll be sure to be notified when registration opens up on March 1st. I also want to remind you that you can join my inner circle and get access to members-only content, including my free library full of wonderful resources about photography blogging, Instagram, motivation, and creative inspiration. Once you subscribe, you'll also get access to a free five-day photography course for beginners, as well as mini trainings and downloadable eBooks. It is, of course, 100% free, and you can subscribe on my website. I often add new exciting stuff, so if you don't want to miss out, don't forget to join my inner circle. I will link to the subscription page in the show notes. That's all for now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for spending time with me on the Empowered Creative Podcast. I love you. And remember, don't do anything that doesn't feel right, but do what you feel is right, even if it scares you.